Hello there and welcome into another edition of the Intersection Podcast with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, first up, you can hear Ann Graham Lott's Sunday evenings on Faith Radio and on this edition of The Intersection, there are some comments from her daughter, Rachel Ruth Lott's Wright who has co-written a book with her mother. Together, they explore topics related to passing on a legacy of the Christian faith. Then, Jonathan Seidel, who has been involved in I Am Second, as well as working with Kirk Cameron's ministry, shares about his own struggles with anxiety and encourages believers to find hope in experiencing the rest offered by the Lord. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and Jenny Dent Brandt has walked that journey. Not only is her cancer in remission, but she has sensed God's call to provide health information from a biblical perspective. You will be hearing some of her comments coming up. Finally, Bruce Brinesma is an octogenarian who is calling for a retirement reformation, challenging believers to rethink what are called the retirement years and to seek and implement God's purpose. You'll be hearing from him coming up. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Rachel Ruth Lotz Wright is the daughter of Anne Graham Lotz and the late Danny Lotz. She has been the beneficiary of a rich family legacy on both her mother's and father's sides of her family. She and her mother, the daughter of the late evangelist Billy Graham, in the book Jesus Followers, Real Life Lessons for Igniting Faith in the Next Generation, explore how the Christian faith can be effectively passed on. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation is Rachel Ruth Lotz Wright. The way we worked it out is my mom wrote the introduction. So she took it out of Genesis 5 and looking at the genealogy, which a lot of people skip over in mm. Genesis. But when you look down at the genealogy following through the line of Seth, you know, Adam and Eve's third child and seeing his love for the Lord and then how that was passed down. And there's like 10 people you can follow and and so my, my mom pulls out some of those examples and writes about it in the introduction. And then the book is broken up into four parts. And so in those four parts, it's your work, your worship, your witness, and your walk. And in those four parts, she wrote the introduction to each of those four parts. And then I wrote all the stories. So all the stories is just me sitting down and writing. And the Lord allowed that, that pandemic to hit in the quarantine. And I wrote during the quarantine. So wow. I had time to do it. Um, but so that's kind of how we did it. So she wrote a part of it and then I wrote all the stories and, and, and then I would send them to her and she'd read them and, and it was really, it was fun. It was just a really fun process, but, but we kind of did it separately like that. What do you want to challenge parents to do as far as Mm -hmm. passing that faith on? I think one of the biggest things, and my mom and I've talked about this so much that, um, what I saw in my home was was grandparents and parents that were authentic. They loved Jesus. And so they didn't fake it. You know, I think kids can spot a fake from a mile away, you know, a phony. And, and my parents and my grandparents truly loved the Lord. So it came out in everything they did. It, it affected what they watched, what they talked about, how they talked, and who their friends were, all of that. And it wasn't a set of rules that they lived by. It was because of their love for Jesus that they lived it out in their everyday life. And so I think the best things we can do 
as parents is to be authentic in our love for Jesus. And then and it overflows to our kids. They see that. And they see it's genuine. They see that you want to get up in the morning and study your Bibles and pray and seek the Lord when you when you have decisions to make. And and when I'm teaching my girls, I'm opening up Scripture and saying, hey, this is what God was telling me today, and, and I just wanted to share it with you. And and so I think it's just being authentic, you know, that you your love for Jesus just overflows into how you parent and what you say to them and how you live. And, and they see that joy that comes when you can't even explain it. You're going through mm. something hard, but your kids watch that you have joy in the middle of it. Or, you know, they see you speaking to them and having words of wisdom instead of reacting, you know, and saying something you shouldn't. And so, so I think all that is the best thing you can do, you know, to show your kids um, your love for the Lord. It's really not about reading a book and following these points and this is going to make a difference. It's just falling in love with Jesus. And then that just overflows into the way you, you love on your kids. You show them your love for Jesus and that they want what that, what you have. They want that relationship with the Lord that you have. And, and I feel like that's what I saw from, from my family. And, um, and I'm so thankful. And, and my faith had to become my own. Mm. And it did, you know, the Lord brought difficult circumstances into my life and struggles in school and, and mean friends and all that, that, so that I grabbed that baton of faith. You know, I wanted to know Jesus myself because I saw him be the rock, you know, for my mom and my dad and my grandparents. And, and then when I was going through tough times, then I turned to the Lord and, and the Lord became my everything. And so, um, so I think that's, that's the main, it's very simple, but I think that's the main thing. Rachel Ruth Lots right here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find out more by going to Anne, with an E, Graham Lotz, L-O-T-Z dot O-R-G. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's the founder and president of the Veritas Creative, who has worked in the past with I Am Second, as well as Kirk Cameron's ministry, Jonathan Seidel. He shared about his struggles and solutions he has found relative to the book he has written called Finding Rest, A Survivor's Guide to Navigating the Valleys of Anxiety, Faith, and Life. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation is Jonathan Seidel. I talk about at length in the book this concept that my battle is both physical and spiritual. And I think a lot of times, unfortunately, in the church, we, we, we tend to say, well, this is just a spiritual issue, right? And so mm. my uh, overarching point is, it's not wrong that it's a spiritual issue, but it's also a physical issue, Bob. There, there are synapses in my brain that fire differently. There's levels in my body that are off. And so what I tell people is, listen, I know there are spiritual aspects underneath here, and I go through the lies and the spiritual issues, but I can't address those until I address the physical, Right. So a big part of me understanding how to fight back is understanding, hey, I need, to, I need to address these physical issues for me. That's with medication as well as exercise and eating better and, and changing physical aspects of my life so that I can address the spiritual. And so what I tell people is, listen, if, if my anxiety untreated is an eight, I take medication that brings them back to a four. And once it's at a four, I can dig into the spiritual issues. And, um, and, and the other thing I would say is on that level of getting to understand what spiritually is at play is I've come to understand what I call a proper theology 
of suffering. And it, it really is one of the foundations of the book is to understand that my issues, my struggles, my anxiety, my even the death of my stepdad and sister in a three-year span are things that the Lord is using for my good and his glory. And so unpacking that in the book is something that I have found to be helpful as I preach it to myself, and I know that others have found to be helpful as well. So how is it that, as you see it, that Scripture perhaps can be helpful to us as far as really changing the way that we think? Yes, absolutely. So for me, it's this. A lot of the, there's a lot of scripture that talks about rest and anxiety and, like you said, the renewing of the mind. Once I get kind of those physical issues under control and I start addressing the spiritual, I then come to have to, I, I realize I have to marinate in, in the truth that God has said. And one of those big truths is he's going to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? Well, what does that mean, right? That doesn't mean mm. I don't have struggles. It doesn't mean I may not ever be uh, 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 completely healed of this. But what that means is I need to trust that God is in control. You know, one of the lies that I believe that my anxiety causes me to believe is that I can control everything, right? Like that's what my anxiety wants to do. When an issue is beyond my control, that's what I get anxious about, right? So one of those spiritual truths that scripture keeps preaching to me and reminding me is that no, God is in control. God has this. And if I learn and practice to give that up to him, that's when I start finding rest. What does that look like, or as we even might say, feel like? Here's how I want to answer it first. It does not mean an absence of battle, right? Think about this. We're given, you know, the, the, the armor of God. And even just in that understanding, you, you don't need armor if you're not going to be in a battle. You know, armor equips you for a battle, and so when I talk about finding rest, my point is that doesn't mean there's no war going on, right? Now, if you think about a war, in war, there are times of fighting and there are times of resting behind the lines, right? Where you are uh, uh, getting treatment, where you are getting food, where you are physically just resting. And so that's how I explain this concept and idea of rest. It doesn't mean an absence of the battle or fighting, it means you can find respite in the only place that can actually, and the only one who can actually give it to you. So for me, it's finding these moments. It's not just a, I never have to worry about anything, right? Or I'm never going to worry about anything. It's being able to rest, you know, as Psalms talk about, under the wings of the Almighty. And so it's in those moments where I can find the, the peace that a, God does have it under control, and also that he has equipped me with common graces, with, with whatever, to be able to fight back. Jonathan Seidel here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to John, J-O-N, Seidel, S-E-I-D-L, dot com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. 
You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests on the Intersection podcast. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And there's The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content, including recently added content from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo near St. Louis. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can find out more through the Meeting House homepage, meetinghouseonline.info. You can also link to the page through the programming section at faithradio.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Jenny Dent Brandt. She's the author of the book, Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent and Survive Cancer. In fact, she is a cancer survivor, and in a conversation during October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, she discussed some steps that can be instrumental in preventing cancer. Here now from that conversation is Jenny Dent Brandt. Well, I have to be honest with you, Bob. I was not a willing participant. (laughs) I did not want to be the cancer queen that wrote a book about cancer or spoke about cancer publicly nationwide on television, radio, and podcasts. I struggled with God over that. And I even told the chaplain at the hospital when he said, consider this a gift from God for you to help others. You're an author. You're a speaker. God can use this. And I looked at him and I said, I don't want the gift. (laughs) And so, yes, I struggled with it. But the more I researched and the more I learned, the more I realized that most women out there were just like me. They didn't know what was causing breast cancer. They didn't know that that. They are doing things on an everyday basis, just like I was, that was contributing to my cancer. Now that I know that, then yes, I'm motivated to help people try to avoid having to get that diagnosis. Some of these are simple things we can all do. But as you and I discussed earlier, breast cancer is mainly affecting women. It is also affecting men. One in eight women, about one in 900 men. And of the men getting breast cancer, 90% of them are estrogen-fed. 80% of the women are estrogen-fed. So this estrogen dominance is a problem in our culture. I didn't have any signs of estrogen dominance before I was diagnosed, but it took me going through the breast cancer journey with an estrogen-fed aggressive cancer to realize that xenoestrogens, were coming into my body, combining with my own body's estrogen and giving me a different kind of high estrogen load that drove my cancer. And that is not listed as a risk factor currently for breast cancer, but currently breastcancer.org is cautioning people about it and saying you might want to eat organic as much as possible because these pesticides have xenoestrogens in them The American Cancer Society is mentioning now that it might be a problem, but this gal will tell you that it's one of the main things my doctors could point to that caused my cancer when the eight cancer risk factors I didn't have, nor did I have any genetics for this cancer. So I had nothing Mm. to hang my hat on, and that's what drove me 
to dig deeper, to research, and try to figure out what caused my cancer. Because if I couldn't figure out what caused it, how was I going to stop it from coming back once the doctors killed it? And that was my my situation that, that drove all this research. And yes, I did uncover things that caused my cancer that are now starting to be talked about by the cancer entities. When I went to my oncologist in June, he said to me, Jenny, it's these xenoestrogens that are helping to drive many women and many men's breast cancers. He said that, and I was like, whoa. I mean, I had discovered that, but I was seeing that he was reading the research and discovering that. Then a month later, I go to my OBGYN for my yearly checkup, and she tells me the same thing. It's these xenoestrogens that are in our water. They're on our food, and we're putting on our skin that are helping to drive these estrogenic cancers. When we think about drinking water, that's something that we consider, again, to be a good thing. But It is there a is, wonderful thing, yes, much needed. Care to be taken. So enlighten us, please. Well, when you talk about water, as it was in the Garden of Eden, it was pure. But our water today, because of the water table, has all these chemicals that come from the pesticides, from all the farming. It gets into the water table. Um, drugs through septic systems gets into the water table. And so there's no way that your water company can give you 100% pure water from the Garden of Eden, and don't expect them to. They give you bacteria-free water, and, and they do filter it to a certain degree. But you must consider it your responsibility to take it further at your house. And that's why I recommend people get a water filtering system because you want to take the uh, chlorine back out and you want to take the fluoride back out. If you want fluoride for your teeth, brush your teeth with it. Your whole body doesn't need fluoride. You want to take those things back out and you want to make sure other things are not getting into your water. And you don't want to drink out of plastic water bottles as a habit. Jenny Dent Brandt here on The Intersection. You can find her online at Jenny, G-I-N-N-Y, Brandt, B-R-A-N-T, dot com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's Bruce Brinesma. He is the creator of Retirement Reformation. And in our recent conversation, he shared about the opportunity for seniors to find and walk in God's purpose for their lives. He also introduced new digital resources that are available. Here now from that conversation is Bruce Brinesma. Well, I think there's a couple of things that are happening. First of all, there certainly is an element of, of the retired, quote-unquote, population that uh, from an economic standpoint, they need to continue working because uh, for whatever reason, either they didn't or, or something's happened and their savings are, are not sufficient to economically support them. So you do have that. On the other hand, you've also got an, another whole group of people who are, quote-unquote, retiring, separating from service, and realizing that, that in their workplace they really did find meaning, not just in the work, but in the relationships. And so we see people that maybe have stopped working, quote-unquote, retired for five, six, seven years, going back to work uh, because that is, that's one of the ways that they find meaning and purpose. Then we have a, a third group that I think, and hopefully this is a growing group, uh, and, and hopefully Barna's studies as they go forward will, will shed some light on that. But people realizing that the, the, what God has in mind is to integrate our whole lives into following him. 
regardless of whether our activity is leisure or our activity is work uh, from a job standpoint, whatever it may be. And, and for many, I'll just give you an example. There's about a million and a half Christian business owners uh, in the country. And so many of them don't realize that perhaps their, real, their most Im- impactful ministry can start on Monday morning, not end on Sunday night. And so the integration of our, 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 our life view, uh, of our Christian view, and in, into all aspects of our life, and to make that those intertwined so it's not so siloed, uh, I think that's an understanding that is really important. Once, once you understand that, then when you hit into these what we're calling retirement years, uh, that, that then you know, you're open to what God is calling you to do. We know that leisure has value, but it doesn't have meaning. And the greatest, the research shows that the greatest area of need for those who have, you know, moved into that next stage is to find real meaning in their life. Uh, And the results of not having meaning are pretty catastrophic. So give us an idea about some of the technological tools that are available that God can use in the lives of seniors. Well, the one that I'm the most uh, excited about right now is the one that will be actually introducing here in, oh, probably the next six weeks, which is an 11-week uh, small group Bible study. And we're going to do that both virtually as well as provide that material where an individual who has been impacted by this message, perhaps listening to, to your program now, would say, oh, I, I, I need to go through a study like that. And then there will be some that will say, hey, this is really good. Uh, I'll lead a study in that. And so to be able to do to be able to just like church services where in fact you can be there in person or in fact you can attend virtually the realization that that's true and, and using that tech those technologies to expand uh, the the ministry uh, the ministry calling another example would be uh, a short quiz uh, that that one of the results of which may be is you know I really need somebody to talk to I just I, I'm a little bit lost and I need just a little bit of coaching in the, to make that available uh, virtually. And so those are just very personal examples or some kind of group examples uh, that will make a difference. Uh, I'll be doing uh, 10 different uh, weekends at churches across the country uh, in person, but then also uh, using technology to be able to bring those same messages uh, across the country with a Friday night evangelistic service, uh, a Saturday morning teaching opportunity. And so as we expand using technology and we expand using increased interest that people have and the time that's available to put that all together to be able to encourage the movement and the bottom line is, you know, what Jesus' command was where he said in John 15:16. do you remember what he said there? He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I called you, I prepared you to bear much fruit fruit that will last. And so when we find that fruit-bearing opportunity for each one of us, uh, that's where we find meaning and purpose and then the joy and freedom that comes along with it. Comments from Bruce Brinesma here on The Intersection. You can find out more at retirementreformation.org. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. 
There's a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. Also, there are links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.